Welcome to episode 109 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. And we've done it. The Cardinals are guaranteed a non-losing season. Before we spoil anything more, I suppose we should introduce ourselves, as if you don't know us already by now. Regardless, I'm Tom. I'm joined by Callum for yet another positivity-filled episode. Hi, I'm still Callum. <laughs> How, how's it going, Tom? You are uh, a bit jazzed after that game. It was a another classic close Cardinals game, wasn't it? Wouldn't have any other way, would we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if ever this team had a, a calling card, it is like looking as though they're going to throw away a sure thing win and then not quite doing it. Especially after like a fast start as well, you know, throwing it away after that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like losing it by attrition over time, you know. But thankfully that wasn't the case, but we'll get onto that in a minute because we've actually got some big breaking news to bring to you. Yeah, indeed. The uh, Pro Bowl votes have been counted. They're in. Yeah, it looks like the Cardinals actually have three players going this year. Yes, it was announced on Monday night that there are three Cardinals named to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Quarterback Kyler Murray, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, and defensive back Buda Baker, the lucky ones to earn enough votes in the glorified popularity contest. I mean, if you were to say, okay, we have to pick three Cardinals to send, do you not think those would be the three? I mean, to be fair, I did vote for them three, plus DJ Humphreys as well, as my Cardinal picks. Yeah, DJ is a is a pretty good shout there as well. But I mean, very pleased, obviously, for Kyler Murray and, um, and Hopkins and Buda Baker as well. If all three of them had great seasons... Um, all three of them are exciting players to watch. I think these are totally fair votes. Definitely a shame that for for DJ Humphreys because I would agree with you that he would be, uh, you know, one of the guys that's high on that list. Yeah, Kyler was named as an alternate in his rookie year, but this is his first actual like full Pro Bowl nod. But I think he still counts as he had two there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I think um, getting him in as a as a rookie QB is uh, is a long shot anyway. But you know, the fact that he's getting in in his second year. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. And I think it just goes to show the results of having Cardinals games on primetime quite a few times this year. And not only that, in those games, Kyler Murray having, you know, really standout performances. He's even been doing that well. He's had his own segment on the podcast. So, you know, things are definitely going well for him this year. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, talking more and more about him and generally it's in a good light, you know. Um, I think it's clear people enjoy watching him and watching his style of quarterbacking, which is, you know, it's exactly what you want in a franchise quarterback, isn't it? And also DeAndre Hopkins, this will be his fifth time as a pro bowler, but obviously his first time as a Cardinal because, you know, duh, it's his first opportunity to do so. That's the thing is like, obviously Hopkins, it's not his first rodeo. You know, the, the, the older you get, the harder it can become to get into things like the pro bowl because you're just getting less receptions and stuff like that. But clearly he is... Uh, just on the up and I think that's the really exciting thing about this pick is the fact that you know he's coming in there as you know as a player who's just moved teams and and just made a big change and stuff like that and yet he's still well we'll talk about his numbers uh, in the game review I'm sure but you know he's putting up enough numbers to get himself noticed by the national audience. He's also the second active wide receiver in the league at the moment to make the Pro Bowl in both the NFC and the AFC joining Amari Cooper with that on it. That's crazy, actually. I didn't know that. And he was also the leading vote-getter at wide receiver before DK Metcalf overtook him late on, something which our final pro bowler knows all too well. This is a very good joke, and I appreciate it, because, yeah, indeed, third pro bowler, Buddha Baker, who's actually, uh, you know, I I, I was kind of, um, you know, misremembering, but it is indeed his third pro bowl. Yeah, because he made his first Pro Bowl appearance as a special teamer, but now this is his second straight as a safety. Yeah, which is, I, I think, um, you know, really a testament to the work that he's been putting in across the past couple of years, you know, really cementing his role within the team and really cementing his role as a player. And he also becomes the second Cardinal to make three Pro Bowls before the age of 25. Patrick Peterson, of course, managed the feat four times before he turned that age. That's crazy. <laughs> also makes me feel really old. I'm sure Kyler will get there, though. Yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised. Although I will say that the competition can be a lot stiffer at quarterback, just at least in part because, you know, the, the general voting public knows more quarterbacks than they do uh, defensive backs, you know. And therefore, you know, somebody whose name they have heard stands out a lot more than, you know, like a quarterback where they could probably, most people can probably name all of the starting quarterbacks. 
I mean, if Kyle keeps putting up the numbers he's been doing this year, you know, he'll be in the Pro Bowl every single year. I, yeah, you would hope so. I mean, he's been putting up some fantastic numbers and, um, you know, this game as well. Once again, we will talk about his numbers when we get to the game recap, but um, I don't think that you can argue that he isn't there on merit, you know? And of course, with COVID taking over everything this year, it's resorted them to doing the Pro Bowl virtually, which apparently means them playing Madden 21 for it. Honestly, is just hysterical. Like, you've, I, you have written down in our little document here, Tom, that it means it will be worse to watch than usual. But I don't think you know how much of an absolute farce this is going to be. And the Pro Bowl is usually dreadful. But this is going to be just a whole nother breed of dreadful. I mean, I'll still probably try catch a few bits of it, you know, like if there's any decent highlights. But, you know, I've not even bothered to even considered buying Madden 21 this year so <laughs> yeah exactly I mean it's it's going to be totally bizarre but um I think uh I think this should be really fun um I think it'll be fun to watch them and to be honest we're gonna see you know the same level of football that we do at the usual Pro Bowl you know might just be in worse quality but you know who knows with Madden these days I just hope they use this as an excuse to reinvent the Pro Bowl a little bit again you know, and come back stronger next year with some some different ideas of how to run the Pro Bowl. Of course, so congratulations go out to the trio and, you know, hopefully they represent us well in this virtual thing, whatever they do. Yeah, I mean, that being said, uh, the you know, as much as we were bashing the Pro Bowl there, it's obviously still a huge honour to be nominated for it. And I think, you know, the, the three guys here that have taken their nominations are going to do so with pride and going to do so knowing that, you know, their their um, performances this year have been noticed. We'll move on to the game recap, though, where there were plenty of other performances to notice, especially after the result we came out with. For sure. Cardinals 33, Philadelphia Eagles 26. <laughs> a score, as as last week I had predicted a score of Gami, when I, when I saw safety happen, I was very excited. But unfortunately, this score has, in fact, happened two times in history. Was this the second time? Uh, this is the third time. Um, I think I have here when the the other two times were. Yeah, so the other two times were on the 1st of November 1998, the Denver Broncos at the Cincinnati Bengals, and on December 24th, 2011, where the Vikings beat the uh, Washington team. See, you didn't get information like that on any other podcast. <laughs> I, I only say this because I, like, literally when I saw that safety, I was like, counting down the potential i think at one point the game had like a 10 percent chance of finishing as a scorigami but unfortunately it did not happen uh, so my my bold prediction didn't come true but that being said there are indeed plenty of uh positives to talk about including the fact that cardinals have moved to eight and six on the season yeah to keep their one game lead in the seventh playoff spot with chicago breathing down their necks albeit one game behind them. For sure. And I mean, it also does uh, include that that decent stat of the fact that we're not going to have a losing season. Which, you know, first time in like a couple of years. So we'll take that for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like if anything, you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful sign of, um, you know, the new system beginning to work, right? You know, it's an upward trajectory and that's a great place to be. And yet people still want to get rid of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, but you know. <laughs> Which I'll never understand, but there you go. I'm sure they're just fans from other teams. That's like Pete Carroll's alt account. We'll kick off with some positives from this game, though, because there's quite a lot of them to get through this week. For sure. And, um, you know, one of them being a uh, quick start, you know, up 16 and 0 by, or up 16 nothing by the. Uh, end of the first quarter yeah we kicked off with a safety to open the scoring which is obviously a rarity in itself these days i'm sure like odds in the bookies are like 50 to 1 of that happening in any game yeah i wouldn't be surprised i mean it seems to just happen you know it seems to happen every couple of weeks across the whole nfl and given that you know there's 16 games you know up to 16 games being played you know that's that's a fair rarity of course that safety came after a deandre hopkins fumble in the red zone Apparently he had gloves on that were too small for him. I, I heard that. That was totally bizarre. I mean, especially after everyone talking for so long about his glove size after the uh, Hale Murray. Yeah, but we got the safety when Jalen Hurts was adjudged to have committed intentional grounding from the end zone. 
For sure. I think that that was like a desperate move from him at the end there. And to be fair, it was the right desperate move to make, but it didn't come off for him. And uh, yeah, intentional grounding uh, obviously leads to us getting two points to open up the score. Ended up with uh, another sort of big play, I guess, to change the momentum. And that was um, Max Williams. Yeah, he had the big game through the air, followed by an eight-yard touchdown run from Kyler Murray. Which was a really good uh, designed run, by the way. You know, I think that there's something, like, I always enjoy watching Kyler's Kyler's runs into the end zone, but there's something really special about the designed plays where he just looks in absolutely no danger of getting hit at all. Likes to break some guy's ankles as well in the process all the time. Exactly. feel sorry for anyone who has to try covering them. Although not too much to Can you imagine being told you're on spy for Kyler Murray? What a dreadful uh, day you would be having. On Philadelphia's next possession, we also ended up with a blocked punt from Zeke Turner, which was almost returned for six. Oh, that was a really exciting blocked punt, wasn't it? I mean, they're always exciting, aren't they, when that happens? And we also concussed their punter in the process, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, it's always exciting when it happens, for sure. But that was a moment where I just thought, oh, we're really going to get a grip on this game, you know, especially, as you said, nearly returned for six. It was a a good, solid... um, Good solid attempt for that. And yeah, uh, I, I was looking at the game at the time. I was like, we're going to have this thing sewn up by halftime. And it only took like a couple of plays after that one for Kyler Murray to find Chase Edmonds for a short six-yard touchdown in a 16 nothing lead. At this point, the, the offense really felt like it was clicking. Everyone was running together. Um, obviously, we're helped by a few um, interesting plays, a few misfires on Philly's offense, a few misfires on their defense as well but generally our offense was working well together and you know um keeping things ticking along it's just a shame that we didn't keep that up really because you know could have been any score i'd be kept scoring in 16 points each quarter yeah i know that'd be completely crazy but i mean to be honest as well like i can see that being part of the game plan you know if you sort of say like okay we're gonna go in and we're gonna push really hard early and then we're going to play safe football after that. That's a, that's a totally fair and valid strategy. Um, but obviously, you know, that wasn't um, that wasn't the uh, strategy going into it. And we just ended up with a, a sort of falling away a little bit after that. But that being said, we're still in the positives. So should we talk about uh, DeAndre Hopkins? We may as well, because our new canal leads the NFL in receiving yards after... Coming, coming out of this game with nine catches, 169 yards, and another ridiculous touchdown. Yeah, and let's not uh, let's not forget as well, he had an amazing open field catch in double coverage. Yeah, for like 40-odd yards, I think that was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a really solid gain. And honestly, it's another one of those, um, another one of those, those catches that you look at and you think, gosh, only D-Hop's going to come down with that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can't see anyone else getting that on the team. Like, I wouldn't put Keyshawn Johnson on there, to be honest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I think it was a well-judged ball from um, from Kyler Murray, but I think that at the end of the day, there was just a lot of trust placed, placed in DeAndre Hopkins when that throw was made because Kyler must have known he was in double coverage at the time. Yeah, it also means that he surpasses 100 catches in a season for the fourth time in his career. Just ridiculous performance so far. Yeah, and I know I'm all, I've already mentioned it this podcast, but you know, let's all bear in mind as well. This is this guy's first year in this team, and you know, he really has stepped into the mantle of wide receiver one. He's stepped into uh, an interesting system, and with you know a, a second year quarterback, and the fact that the two of them work so well together, and you know, can continue to um, produce the goods is is uh, is brilliant. I do think he's not too many catches behind another franchise record, you know, for like most catches in a season. Because I'm sure that's only like 111 or something like that. I'm sure I saw a statistic on that. That's the thing, you know, when you think about the great um, wide receivers that the Cardinals have had, obviously, um, you know, there's Fitz and stuff. But even Fitz, you know, when he was in his prime, he was working with less than elite quarterbacks, is I guess the charitable way to say that. I mean, to be fair, some of his prime was with the guy, well, it was with the likes of Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner. So he did have some decent quarterbacks in his time here. He did, yeah. But I would also argue that you know, if you look back to those eras, uh, maybe less so the Kurt Warner era, but definitely the Carson Palmer era, 
there was quite the stable of wide receivers running around, you know, like as in just quite a wide variety and, and, you know, with Bruce Arians as well, playing quite an old school style offense at, at that time, they were spreading the ball about quite a lot. It was also a game where DeAndre Hopkins won his third British Beard Gang Player of the Game award with 53.1% of the votes cast. Yeah, it takes him into second place this, of uh, all the players this season in terms of most uh, most votes, right? Yeah, we've got Kyle Murray on four, just behind, well, just ahead of him, rather. So yeah, be interesting to see the last couple of games, if anyone, if you have any more from DeAndre Hopkins or Kyle Murray. Well, I suppose that's a reason to tune into the awards show once the season's over. I mean, there'll be completely different votes compared to this one, but I'm sure we'll have something for whoever wins the British Bearground Player of the Game award for the season. I'm sure there's some award there. The, the most player of the game awards, something like that. Yeah, be fun. We'll do anything to get Kyle Murray an award. Not that he needs much help, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think uh, I think Kyler might be walking away with a fair few awards that in that uh, episode, but we'll find out when we get there. When we actually do, because you know who knows how long the playoff run will last if we even get one. I I would love for us to be recording that in February because we've had the post Super Bowl episode and then you know uh, get onto it then. But we'll wait and see, I suppose, once once the Cardinals season is over. But you know, right now I I'm wondering if we could just clinch that last playoff spot. We still got more positives from this game to talk about, though. And also, speaking of the touchdown, which do you think was more impressive, in your opinion? Because both DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald had ridiculous touchdown catches in this game. Yeah, I know that was. Um, it really was, uh, in in many ways, the classic Cardinals game. As I was saying, you know, having them having having them both uh, produce really excellent catches is just. Oh, I mean, that's my favorite part of the game, I think. Um, I think Fitz's catch was my favorite personally because the field awareness that he had for that combined with the awareness of the defender and where the pass was coming from is really the the most interesting part for me. Well, naturally, I put this to a poll and the response I got was Nye Rosuman. But of course, he wouldn't understand because he doesn't like American football. <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy your joke. Moving swiftly onwards, <laughs> yeah, moving swiftly onwards. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think that this is a fair representation because Fitzgerald won that vote fifty six point two to forty three point eight percent, and um, I think that that reflects just how how they're both impressive in different ways. I mean, I don't particularly agree with the British Bear Gang public in this one because. I mean, it was a really good catch by Larry Fitzgerald, and of course it was his first of the season. But that one from DeAndre Hopkins was just ridiculous. Okay, d- describe to me what made Hopkins's catch so good for you. I think just more because it was like behind his back sort of thing. Like he had to sort of like adjust his body as well as locate the ball as well, beat a defender, you know, just typical DeAndre Hopkins play really. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I don't want to take anything away from the Hopkins play as well. Like, I think this is a good good problem to have isn't it is like two spectacular catches in in the same match i suppose we should really just enjoy both of them you know why not yeah exactly i think there's an interesting thing to be said for which throw was more impressive now probably i'd say kyler murray's throw on that one uh, i i would say the throw to fitz is the more impressive one because it was another um is this is this becoming a classic thing of kyler murray throwing on his off foot and um like slightly off balance and and whilst running away from someone. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes was doing that, everyone would be up in arms, wouldn't he? Like, oh my God, did you see that? I mean, to be fair, I think it's the exact same thing as Pat Mahomes doing it because it's that baseball training, isn't it? You know, that ability to to throw in an awkward angle in an awkward way and get just an absolute laser off of it. Another thing linked to Larry Fitzgerald, with him being the NFL's oldest wide receiver, and Frank Gore being the NFL's oldest running back at 37 years old, scoring both scoring a touchdown. It was the first time in NFL history that a running back and a wide receiver of at least 37 years of age have scored a touchdown in the same game week. See, you say that, but I want to know how often in the NFL a running back and a wide receiver of at least 37 years of age have played in the same week. I can't imagine there'd be too many running backs at 37, really, could you? Considering how short their shelf life is. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think when you when you look at the wear and tear um, that you get on running backs, and as a former running back myself, I can tell you that it's uh, it's pretty hardcore. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of bashing, there's a lot of, uh, of beating and stuff like that on the way. So, um, you know, the fact that Frank Gore's managed to survive that long is impressive in and of itself. And of course, uh, our man Fitz, you know, um, still being able to pull it in at that age is is fantastic. And you know, I guess it's uh, it is still impressive, isn't it? It's still impressive that you know, in a, in a week when we can get just you know two of the not quite the oldest players, but the um, the oldest skill players, shall we say, uh, in scoring scoring touchdowns. I think you have to wonder now which of the two retires first, or do they both go at the same time? <laughs> Are they just playing chicken? Well, I mean, I think there's a... I don't know if this is the time to talk about it, but there's some interesting chat this year, as there is at this time every year, of uh, whether Fitz comes back this year. And I think that you said it best when you said something along the lines of... Um, is whether he could or should come back. Yeah, I mean, cause it's basically the same. Well, it's different answers, isn't it, really, if you think about it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to whether or not Clef can convince him that we can go on a Super Bowl run. Um, but, yeah, we, we will see. I mean, especially given that, again, you know, his contract is $11 million, which could be some cap space to, to free up. But I guess that he is worth that, you know, branding level to the organisation. I think we should save this because that's taken up most of our off-season content already. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can squeeze a good two or three podcasts about whether Fitz will re-sign or not. Exactly. We can't be spoiling the off-season content already, so <laughs> we'll move on to another positive from this game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I like that you've just written this down um, as SACS in all capital letters because, yeah, another uh, huge game from the defensive line. Yeah, the Cardinals harassed poor Jalen Hurts a lot in this one. He hurt after this one as well, obviously. That's the swipe. That's the second time that you've used that joke. I think that that joke is at least in the draft episode title. So <laughs> we'll have to wait and see if you do use that again. But yeah, indeed, um, six sacks overall, with two coming from uh, Dennis Gardeck and Hassan Reddick, Byron Murphy, Lecky Foto, and Zach Allen with one each. And to be fair, Zach Allen had a ridiculous game himself with 11 total tackles in the game. Yeah, which is wild. I mean, given at the end of the game, you know, when I was looking at individual stats and stuff like that, and I saw he only had one sack, I was like, that can't be right. You know, it doesn't, it felt like he was everywhere in that game. Yeah, per pro football reference, this was the only the third time since 2016 that a defensive lineman had 11 tackles in one game. The other two being DeForest Buckner in 2016 and Alden Smith in week one of this season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's insanely impressive, isn't it? I mean, just, I, I guess part of that is the fact that he was active for as many snaps as he was. But that being said, you know, it, it's still um, it's still something to be able to be active for that many snaps and also be productive for that many snaps. It is ridiculous, though, because, like, if you think about it, most of his tackles, I think, came stopping Miles Sanders for, like, really short gains. So without him, you know, Sanders could have had, like, a massive game. Yeah, I really think that that was a huge element to our win there. You know, it was uh, that's the kind of thing that did set up those th- uh, three-and-out situations. It's the kind of thing that did set up um, the ability for us to uh, make Jalen Hurts hold on to the football, which is again what led to the sacks. You know, we were able to kind of stifle that running game, and you know, I think you could make a, a big argument for uh, Zach Allen being a big part of why we won that game. And also looking back over the last two games, the defense has accounted for fourteen sacks, twelve tackles for a loss, seven forced fumbles, and eighteen quarterback hits. That's insane. <laughs> That is insane. I think a large majority of them just belong to Hassan Reddick. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think maybe a majority of each of those. Yeah, it's just crazy how it's just come on these past two games. I really would love to know, and I'm, I think we'll find out a little bit more um, later in the season. I would love to know what the deal has been with Hassan Reddick. You know, in a way, he's turned the same corner, the same kind of corner um, that we did with the run game a few a few weeks ago, if you remember that. Yeah, where it just like exploded after being doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. And that was uh, as a result of um, Kenyon Drake having a word with his mum. And I wonder I wonder if there was something similar that happened there. 
I'm sure we'll find out maybe on an episode of Flight Plan later in the season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Some sort of behind the scenes look where we find out that he's uh, just changed his attitude or something like that. But um, what a time to pick it up because I believe this is his contract year, right? It will be yes, because he'll be going into free agency following this season. I think he's uh, he's put in a good good reason for us to stick with him, you know, unless he. Uh, gets injured or something like that I suspect he will be a cardinal next year with a substantial pay bump I wasn't sure where to put Isaiah Simmons in this one or whether to include him at all but I think his performance deserves a mention in the positives yeah I think we need to talk about it at the very least but yeah 63 snaps he was on the field for which you know I I talked about um I talked about Zach Allen being on for a long time but Isaiah Simmons was was on for quite a long time and I think probably the longest he's been on in any game this season. Yeah, I think it is a season high for him, yeah, and he spe- he played in a multitude of positions outside linebacker, inside linebacker, safety. I'm sure he played elsewhere as well, just wherever he wanted. I mean, I think that this is really interesting, right, because um, for those that don't know, Isaiah Simmons was not famous, but he, he played um, in a lot of positions uh, all throughout the uh all throughout his college career. And then when he came to the NFL, that was part of the kind of thought of how we might use him. You know, when we're drafting him, we're saying like, oh, this guy, he might be able to play in any of those positions. And then, you know, after the first couple of weeks, they were like, okay, let's settle him down into one position. And as he uh, got settled down, I think into mostly an inside linebacker role, he started to get better and better and better. And that's where we're seeing the better performances. But it's really interesting that all of a sudden, you know, we see him back into a situation where he's being broken out into multiple different roles. I think the safety injuries don't help at the moment because obviously we went down Chris Banjo as well in that game for a certain amount of time, leaving us with just Baker, I think. Yeah, I think at a certain point you're like, okay, which of the guys has ever played safety? You know, which of them can can um you know go and fill a, a coverage spot and whatever and you know i think the fact that he was able to step up to that is is a credit to him i mean to be fair to him there was a lot of people pre-draft thinking maybe safety could be his best position in the nfl so if that was the case and you know maybe we see him a bit more at safety unless we actually like reinforce that position in the off season yeah, I'd be interested to see. I think it'll, you know, it'll be dependent on how he begins to build himself as well because, you know, for that for that safety position you really do need to have the maneuverability and obviously when you get into the sort of linebacker places, um you need to have a bit more bulk and stuff like that and I think, you know, uh with it being the NFL, you do have to somewhat specialize unless he is going to be a specialist at being able to flip around between those positions. I mean, there's no denying his athleticism to do it and his size as well. You know, he's got no questions in that area. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see which of those he continues to work on more. You know, does he continue to work on the speed um, and the agility or does he go and hit the gym in the off season and, you know, put on a bunch of weight? Um, because I think, um, I think either or kind of specializes you more down one route or the other. And I think that he could be an even better safety if he does, you know, speed and, and um, flexibility and, and, you know, all that kind of coaching and a whole nother breed of uh, linebacker if he does decide to go to the gym and go and, you know, condition himself in that way. He did only have five tackles in the game, though, but, you know, it's good to see him actually on the field more than anything. Yeah, but although he did get involved in uh, quite a big play with the potential pick six, right? I mean, I, I bet he wish he had that pick back. Or like the non-pick, literally hit him right in the hands. I know. I mean, again, you know, that's the sort of thing. I guess you just when you're not in a skill position, you don't practice at catching the ball that much. Another positive from this game was the performance of the special teams, and of course, in the week we heard the news that Zane Gonzalez was placed on the injured reserve, giving Mike Nugent the kicking keys, or should that be tease? <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, Cardinals currently unbeaten in the Mike Nugent era. And also remains 100% on the kicks made, both extra points and field goals. Although he wasn't called on too much in this game, besides scoring the extra points, because we were scoring that many touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Zane Gonzalez, uh, Mike Nugent hasn't been called for in any sort of, you know, game-deciding scenario yet. 
But that being said, it does feel nice to not just feel nervous anytime the kicking team comes out, right? I think the big thing to talk about in special teams though was the Andy Lee fake punt. Yes, this is my absolute oh, oh, I love this so much. Like what a way to keep possession, what a way to keep going. And Andy Lee, you know, former um British Bird Gang player of the year. I mean, I don't think he'll get it just for that one play, but No, you know. he won't get it this year, I don't think. But he's he is former player of the year and he is in in some ways and by that measure at least, he is a British fan favourite. And uh, yeah, what a brilliant moment! It was a really good, really good pass uh, for a punter. Um, a great catch, great completion, and yeah, you know, um, converting that fourth down. And also, um, it was it was a fair amount of yardage on it as well, right? I think it was twenty seven yards on it, which obviously is more yards than Chris Strevel has passed for for the Cardinals. <laughs> I guess if you're um, if you're gonna do that, you know, go big or go home, right? It was definitely a ballsy call to considering you were actually still in their own like half of the field. I think. Yeah, I, but equally, you know, if that, if there was ever a time that was actually going to surprise them, that would be then, right? Obviously, we kept saying in the commentary how they like to go for it on fourth down. So for once, it was actually giving them a taste of their own medicine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think um, at the end of the day, the the Cardinals coaching staff must have known that it was a decent percentage play, and we also had the lead at the time. You know, it made sense to be doing it. Um, but goddamn, if it wasn't fun to watch. We move on to our favorite section of the podcast now, the Kyler Murray section. It returns because we've actually got content for it this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, straight in there, um, and to to break up the uh, positive mood a little bit, we do have turnovers to talk about. Yeah, I mean, he did finish with one fumble lost and one interception in the end zone, although I still have no idea who he was actually going for on that play because it was literally like two eagles there and no cardinals. Yeah, I do think that the interception was uh, worse than the fumble, but and maybe we can get on to fumbles a little bit in the actual negative section, but... Um, I do think that this is an element of uh, the ball protection that's kind of coming back to bite him a little bit. And as a result, well, as a whole, the Cardinals had a minus three turnover differential in this game, but he actually still managed to win the game. And yes, of course, is an accompanying statistic for that point. Since 1940, the Cardinals have had a minus three differential, or worse, on 201 occasions. Sunday was only the 10th time they've overcome that to actually win the game. That's wild. So it's like if they've got a minus three differential, they've essentially got a 95% chance of losing it. Or worse, actually. Plenty of games where you've had worse than minus three turnovers. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that's that's still crazy. And, um, you know, I do think that obviously having a minus three turnover is is not good news at all. Um, and obviously two of them coming directly from Kyler Murray is, is slightly worse as well. Interception definitely being the worst of the two, though. Because I agree, there was absolutely nobody there he could have gone for. It feels like a panic move. I think it's fair to say that he did redeem himself just like with the rest of his performance in the game, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. I mean, I think that, uh, at the end of the day, we're not talking about the turnovers too much because there is indeed, you know, there's uh, records broken. Yeah, he broke the record that Cam Newton set a couple of seasons back up to nine games this season where he's both passed for a touchdown and rushed for a touchdown. It's funny, it kind of made us wait for this one, right? Because I'm pretty sure it was like four or five weeks ago we were talking about like, oh, he could break this record, if only. But it's been nothing with his shoulder though, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It did. Actually, that's a really good point. Do you not think that this felt like Kyler Murray, you know, coming back to something assigning full strength? I think in the passing game, definitely, but in the run game, he still lacked. I think he only got twenty nine yards rushing in total. I think they've they've kind of reined him in still. You know, I think they're kind of trying to um, help him find those targets because at the end of the day, you know, although the runs were good, um, the runs that we were seeing earlier in the season and those big running games, I think that there was quite a few times when he was making those runs that you know, if you look back at the tape, there was somebody open, you know, even further downfield. Um, and I wonder if maybe he's being coached to hold in for longer in the pocket and make those passes, and therefore we're actually seeing better passing with less need for the rushing. Or is it more of a case of him doing that himself, you know, to prove to everyone that he's also a pocket passer, not just a guy who runs with the ball? 
I mean, that's actually a really good point and that I hadn't super considered, but yeah, he could definitely be doing it. And that's, in a way, I could actually see him as as the personality type. He is doing that, you know, just to prove like, yeah, I am still a traditional quarterback as well, but I just happen to also have this additional skill set. And speaking of his passing, he set a career high in passing yardage earlier in the season, but he's already gone and bettered that mark with 406 yards versus Philadelphia. That's wild. It's so much. I mean, how exciting is that? I mean, it, you know, I think part of that, as you said, is is the fact that he had 26 rushing yards, you know, and actually on the ground, we had less than we usually do as well. But yeah, 406 passing yards is insane. And about his rushing, there was, out, there was always that stat going around, wasn't there, about when he was held to under 30 yards rushing, we were like 1, 10 and 1. Obviously now with this result... We're now two ten and one, so hopefully people just stop with that statistic because yeah. two ten and one sounds stupid, doesn't it? I'm sure what they'll do is that they'll change it to when he's held to under twenty five yards of rushing or something like that. Anything to just put him down. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it wasn't just all Kyler in this game because the team in total accrued over five hundred yards of offense for the second time this season, with five hundred and twenty six in this one. Yeah, I mean, one thing people have have been saying online and um, to kind of try and take away from that is that like, oh, it's against the Eagles. They've had a shocking season, etc. But what I would also say back to that is that actually, you know, the Eagles team that showed up um, on Sunday was probably one of their best performances of the season. I think without doubt. It's it's even reflected in, the, you know, the way that, the the Eagles. I don't know if you've seen the um the papers and the way they were talking about it. They were like, that was the best loss we could have asked for because we, you know, all of a sudden found ourselves. You know, we've found a quarterback. We've found how the team is meant to work, um, and the fact that we can then still put up five hundred plus yards on them, I think, is really really exciting. I think they put up like four hundred and twenty of themselves. So you know, they did have plenty of offense for themselves with, with Jalen Hurts quarterback but you know Kyler proved that he was the best Oklahoma graduate there <laughs> yeah it was a nice moment with the two of them at the end of the game I will say you know old college teammates it's for the second time as well because he beat Baker Mayfield as well that's very true actually yeah when he was so it's like that that's the succession order really isn't it wait until Spencer Rattler makes it to the NFL <laughs> and then Kyler could beat him as well just to get the clean sweep um, but yeah, indeed, as you said, uh, sort of offense really exploding. And um, that really, to me, that was a proper Cliff Kingsbury game. But obviously people keep telling us that Cliff Kingsbury's offense sucks and Kyler isn't an NFL quarterback. And yet here we are after this game. That being said, though, we do have negatives to talk about. You know, it's not all sunshine and roses. No, and of course, the big negative I've got down here is penalties. And after a quiet week last week, we seem to have a picky refereeing crew that seem to pick up on everything and anything. Nine penalties for 83 yards in the end. Including four of them on Patrick Peterson. Although I think a couple of them were really harsh on him because, you know, they're the ones that obviously riled up Cardinals Twitter the most with it being Patrick Peterson and how much he's washed up and everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, yeah, as you said, I, I think that that's the way to describe it really, isn't it? Is saying that it was... Uh, a picky refereeing crew you know it was a it was they decided at the start of the game that that's how they were going to referee it they were going to take it very seriously and very literally with the rule book um there was no margin for error in uh false starts and offsides there was no margin for error in pass interference and you know uh at the end of the day we we really suffered for it i mean we weren't alone though because philadelphia had nine flags of their own in the game so it was both teams who the wrath of the referee. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's part of the game, right? And sometimes you're going to get referees who are going to be like that. But if you can tighten up the game and if you can make get it to a certain point where you are able to, you know, really, really uh, tighten down and make sure that you don't make those kind of silly errors, that's where you could come away with a huge advantage, right? You know, if they're also picking up nine penalties for 80-odd yards and you're able to only pick up, say, seven or five or something like that then you're at a huge advantage there right yeah i mean like obviously it'd be better if we didn't have penalties because obviously they force us back or they give the opportunities more to the offense to the opposition don't they 
Yeah, and from a really selfish standpoint, in the UK, it means that we have to stay up longer. I mean, that's always a bad thing. And I think it came about again this week because it finished like nearly one o'clock in the morning. Nice long running game indeed. But um, yeah, I don't think that was helped by the injury timeouts as well. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of injuries in this one. We lost Max Williams with an ankle injury. And considering he was out earlier in the season with the same injury, it would seem a fair assumption to think that it's a recurrence of that injury, which obviously sucks for him. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the best that you can hope for is that it was a bit of a sort of stinger kind of injury and that, you know, hopefully he can get the the go-ahead that he's he's all patched up and stuff like that. But indeed, um, that was a real shame to lose him after he'd made a, you know, fairly big play as well. And after the tight end rotations seemed to be working so well for us throughout that game. You know, we also had some injuries to defensive backs, uh, to the safety and, you know, uh, Dennis Gardeck as well after having... Uh, particularly good slate of games yeah he was carted off with an injury late on although we've not actually heard what that injury was just yet i i, I really hope that that's a uh, something that will be uh you know mentioned soon and i hope that it turns out to be you know i i doubt he'll be in for this week but i hope he's you know in, in fighting shape for you know week 17 yeah, he's had seven sacks in limited opportunities this season so obviously it'd be a cool a cruel blow to lose one of the most productive pass rushes in the league. Well, obviously in the context of him being used sparingly. Yeah, for sure. Especially because, you know, in that context of him being used sparingly, we can see, you know, the player that we really can, you know, help him develop into as he gets more and more time. I suppose naturally as well, we'll actually hear about his injury once we finish recording tonight because yeah, that's the way I, it usually goes. I suspect it will be about 20 or 30 minutes after we finish recording. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday and you already know, um, hello to the future. Move on to some fantasy football now, though, because obviously Bird Gang Bowl, the finals are coming up. Obviously, I won't be involved because <laughs> that's my luck usually. Yeah. How'd you get on? Well, I was knocked out in the semi-finals to Arizona Celtic, going down 182.86 to 156.64. Oh, yeah, Calamari's heroics were all for nothing as Mike Davis, Amari Cooper, and Pittsburgh TikTok star Juju Smith-Schuster <laughs> couldn't be asked turning up for their games. I mean, I I would say I'm sympathetic, but I am glad that Juju didn't show up because, uh, yeah, that really helped me out. Although I will say in the Bird Gang Bowl, I also got knocked out in the semi-finals. I lost 188.16 to 113.92 after taking a gamble on a few guys. I had some players really show up and I had some players absolutely show up with nothing. And frankly, I think that this is punishment for me benching Kyler Murray in favour of Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, indeed, Floyd Strikes Back moves on to the final where I go into the uh, consolation third place game. Well, we've got eight finals to look at for this week. So it's time for our second favourite time of the year where we get to curse the teams in the final and hopefully they end up not winning. Brilliant. Okay, so first off in League One, we have my my TE Ertz when I fart versus Arizona Celtic. So who, who shall we curse there? I've actually lost to both of them this year, so I'm happy cursing both of them. I mean, I would be tempted to curse Eifert based purely on the balance of non-Cardinals then. Yeah, we'll take that. But obviously, we just hope neither of these teams win if when they make it through to the Bird Gang Bowl itself. Yeah, exactly. Indeed, in League 2, we have Buddha Baker Candlestick Maker versus Cards Against Humanity. I'm going to say we curse Cards Against Humanity here because... That's a pretty lame name to go with. It is definitely one that I've heard in previous years. But to be fair, I have now looked at quite literally hundreds of these. So, uh, you know, I'm guessing that there's a certain amount of repeats to be expected. That being said, Buddha Baker Candlestick Maker is a good name. I enjoy that. I enjoy that they managed to squeeze that within the uh, the text limits. There'll be plenty of repeats next year when it's a mandated thing to have Cardinals names in the team as well. Oh, yeah, so. your, your new rule, yeah. League three, we've got Leaky Boom Boom Down versus Buddha Baker's Dozen. I'm off a claim for cursing the first one in this one because I don't understand the name. What does it? What's it supposed to mean? I'm sure that there is a level of pun involved there, and it's obviously Leaky Photo, but 
what does boom boom down mean? I don't understand. So yeah, we could curse and just that. Yeah, okay. I guess we curse what we don't understand. That being said, if you are the lo- the owner of uh, Lecky Boom Boom Down, please do uh, send us a tweet or something and let us know what your name actually means. In League Four, we've got David Johnson in the second versus Arizona Cardinals. Um, I mean, I do like the reference of David jo- David Johnson in a second, but um. I, th- I think we I think we gotta gotta curse Arizona Cardinals because I have a feeling that that might be Darren potentially who I'm who I played this week. No, that the one you played this week was Dan. Darren's a different one, but he's also in the Dynasty League with the same team name. <laughs> is that is that why I'm confused by it? But yeah, he's had bad luck in the Dynasty League this year, so I'm gonna say we curse David Johnson in a second. Hopefully, our Irish friend can win. Yeah, fair enough. League five, we've got Kenyon Stop Me Scoring versus Kingsbury's Bachelor Pad. We do like uh, Kingsbury's Bachelor Pad, right? Like, it is a good place, and I do wish that that was my house. That would make um, self-isolation and stuff a lot more easy, wouldn't it? It would, definitely. So, yeah, we'll curse Kenyon Stop Me Scoring, because, again, that doesn't really make that much sense. It's meant to be, can you you stop me scoring? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's close, but it's not quite there. That pun needs some work. Needs to work for next year. If you choose a better one, please. <laughs> okay, Yorkshire Cardinals versus Bigger Than D Hop. I quite like. I like the North. I'm I'm now an adopted uh, adopted son of the North, and therefore I shall uh, I shall curse Bigger Than D Hop to allow the Yorkshire Cardinals to triumph. Yeah, I'll take that. Even though Lancashire's better than Yorkshire, as an adopted son of Lancashire, I agree. League League Seven is Beats by DeAndre versus Floyd Strikes Back. And this is another tough one because Beats by DeAndre is one that's used way too much as it is. But also Michael Floyd, like who wants to win with a name of his? Yeah, and also I will say that Floyd Strikes Back did just knock me into uh, into the consolation game with an absolutely stonking defeat. And therefore I don't feel too bad cursing him because I feel like uh, he might actually be able to overcome that. Yeah, well curse them then because they beat you and that's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> exactly, beat a podcast co-host, what the hell? And finally, in League 8, we've got Buddha Bing, Buddha Boom versus Murphy's Law. Now, is Murphy's Law Daniel that I just played? That's That might be where my notes have got, got mixed up. It is, yes. Yeah, I have just played uh, played Dan in the uh, Dynasty League. Well, in that case, uh, let's let's continue to to help our friends along. Let's, let's curse Buddha Bing, Buddha Boom in, in hopes that Daniel has a good game. Yeah, we'll take that. So, you know, we can have two Dynasties in the final of the Birdgang Bowl, and hopefully they'll be yeah. more successful in that. Or maybe Dan, or maybe Dan can do the double. Who knows? Uh, well, we'll wait and see. I mean, I don't think he can do the double now because it's me in the uh, in the final. And actually, I'm just going to get straight into it because I'm so excited. Um, I am indeed this week into the Dynasty League finals. Um, I'm so so hyped. Do you not get to talk about my Dynasty update. <laughs> sure. Why don't you talk about your Dynasty update? Well, there is no Dynasty update because I was so bad this season. I don't even get a consolation <laughs> bracket to play for. Yeah, you just get to sit in the uh, in the, in the uh, like bench the, the, for the last couple of games. On the plus side, you've got less to focus on. I did get to see my score, my team score 164 points this season, this week though, which I think might be like the second or third highest of the season. Yeah, that's genuinely right up there with your best uh, your best season performances, which is great. It's nice of them to turn up when it doesn't matter. Twice. Speaking of uh, turning up, yeah, I had a, I had a nine point deficit going into the game, going into the uh, to the Steelers game. Uh, I had Chase Claypool and Adam Highsmith, whereas my opponent had uh, JJ Smith, uh, JJ Smith uh, Schuster, and Eric Ebron who managed to combine for only one and a half points, meaning that I squeaked in 176.74 to 175.24, which frankly just feels mean. It does guarantee you a trophy, though, so I suppose you can't feel too mad. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I've, I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked about it. It does put me into the final where uh, fourth seed Simon managed to, uh, to win and get in there as well, which I think might actually be a really good game. It'd be better if I was in it, but you know, <laughs> one one year I'm sure we'll get there. Well, both of us in the final. I, it's possible. I mean, yeah, anything can happen, especially if we play long enough. Yeah, I was going to say we might need to do the podcast for another fifteen years or something, but you never know. I suppose I'll have to say good luck to you in the final, because you know I've got nothing to play for. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I'll be back next week with my uh, my update on whether I was able to win or not, but um, 
trust me there's some furious work going on behind the scenes to try and sell out my team's entire future to win this one trade discussions are we talking about yeah could be could be I shan't say any more here because in the meantime, we should talk about weekly pickums where you actually happen to be doing quite well. After week 15's games, where it finished Tom 12, Callum 11, we're now actually tied at the top with 153 points apiece. Well, I say the top, you know, I mean, it's the top of our mini league with just us two in. Yeah, exactly. Of the actual league, we are joint second, um, where Rich J still leads on 155 points. Um, still no, still no luck in finding Rich, but um, you know we are coming for him. We're only two points behind him now. And I mean, we're not joint second either. I'm second, you're third. Oh yeah, that's true. I have a better margin in the phasing night games. I'm not sure what the margin is, right? Oh, the margins where you've got to guess the score, right? The score difference. Yeah, I've never actually got it right, but you know, I've got it less not right than you. So yeah, exactly. Or more not right than you. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> But this week, actually, yeah, we've got, we've got a few more differences than usual this week. Yeah, we've got four differences down, so, you know, things could still change late on this season. But for the same ones this week, we've got New Orleans over Minnesota, Tampa Bay over Detroit, Miami over the Raiders, the Browns over the Jets, the Ravens over the Giants, the Bears over the Jaguars, Kansas City over Atlanta, the Chargers against, over Denver, Washington over Carolina, Philadelphia over Dallas and Buffalo over New England. Yeah, which leaves us in uh, indifference territory. And the uh, first difference this week is in the Cincinnati-Houston game where you've gone with Houston, who I think were the the quite strong favourites. Yeah, I thought you made, when I saw your picks, I wondered if maybe you'd made a mistake there. No, 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 no. I'm, go- I'm going with the, uh, with the upset here. I think, you know, um, after the Bengals uh, were able to... to um, you know, uh, unbalance the Steelers a little bit, shall we say. Um, and after them being on, you know, a, a relative little push. And I know Houston's definitely uh, not the same Houston at the start of the season, but I could definitely see this being upset territory. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't do anything for Cincinnati except maybe destroy their draft position at number three overall. But, you know, why don't they go and win? I'd rather they didn't because I'd rather be right. <laughs> that's the thing though is like I, I mean i know people are always talking about you know going for the draft position and stuff like that but at the end of the day you know i think if you said to players or oh, try and lose then they're absolutely not going to do that right oh yeah absolutely i think obviously players want to win but you know sometimes it's for the best for this franchise to lose and obviously you're going to try and lose somehow even if that means like blitzing on the very last play giving up a hail mary touchdown <laughs> I, I think it'll be interesting to see how this goes but I, I suspect Cincinnati is a little dark horse I think it's my most out there pick of this this week yeah because I mean on the second game is Indianapolis against Pittsburgh and I think when I looked it that was a 50-50 game so that's yeah, one that could go either way it was definitely a really close one and um, when you look at the uh, the records there I mean Indianapolis have, have been kind of going for one as well and Pittsburgh, obviously, a little bit on the uh, on the downslope at the moment, I, I guess you could say. But both of them still with everything to play for, really. Yeah, because I think Pittsburgh are on a three-game losing streak at the moment, whereas Indianapolis have picked it up over the past couple of weeks. So it seems to be like a good time to play them. Well, to play Pittsburgh, obviously. I thought Indianapolis uh, would be a good pick here as well. But my thought was um, that, if the Steelers are going to do well this season, if they're going to have a, a proper run at the playoffs, now is the time that they need to rally. Now is the time that they need to make the difference. And I think that, um, you know, that's the kind of mentality that can get players going into a game with, with all cylinders firing, especially after losing to Cincinnati. You know, I think that can be a big wake-up call. I think another team that needs a wake-up call is the LA Rams, especially when they play in Seattle this week. And that's our next difference. Yeah, indeed. I think this one was um, closer to call than the uh, the fan vote put it because the fan vote was heavily Seattle and that's what I've gotten. But Tom, you've gone for uh, for the Rams there and I can totally, totally see why. Yeah, I just think maybe they'll just bounce back after that humiliating loss to the New York Jets, which I think we haven't actually talked about enough, but we should rub it in a bit more. <laughs> yeah, we we actually lost. should. That was great. They lost to the Jets who have just had a dreadful season, really, haven't they? 
Yeah, and then the, the Rams go there and lose to the Jets. It's pretty shocking, really, isn't it? Given given the form that the Rams have shown this year. I mean, guaranteed they'll be back on form by the time we play them in two weeks. But um, in the meantime, I'll enjoy having a little gloat. About them losing to the Jets? Yeah. But, I mean, they're going to beat the Seattle Seahawks this week just to make the NFC West even more confusing for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it would make it really spicy, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I personally think the Seahawks will be able to walk away with this one because um, I think the Rams will be uh, a little bit sort of disoriented by the loss that they just had to the Jets. I think it will be interesting to see. You know, I can't imagine what they would be working on in team practice and stuff this week, but um, there you go. Yeah, I think this will be a fun game. And our last difference this week is Tennessee versus Green Bay where I've decided to go with Tennessee, and I'm surprised you haven't, just for one reason alone. What's that one reason alone? Well, I mean, you're in the Dynasty final, and you've got Derek Henry carrying you all the way there. I thought maybe you'd think he's going to win next game for the team, and then also help you win your fantasy football final. Derek Henry's had some of his best games this season in losses. I suppose, yeah. He's, he's had some excellent running performances in games that they've lost. And I would really hope that um, Tennessee's passing ability is stifled to the point that they're going to have to rely on him quite a bit. I think with Green Bay, though, I'd rather they lose a couple of games because then if they're not the number one seed and we end up in the playoffs, we don't have to go to Green Bay then. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go to Green Bay in January. Yeah, I don't fancy that. I mean, I wouldn't fancy it as a person myself, but I don't fancy the Cardinals going there either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, that would feel a little bit like a revenge game as well, actually, for them after uh, us putting them out in the um, lead-up to the NFC Championship game a few years ago. But that being said, yeah, I think I think it's interesting that that does actually have some slight playoff in- implications for us, depending on how the rest of the NFC North falls. But of course, the big game this weekend is the Boxing Day football match a.k.a. the penultimate regular season game of the season for the Cardinals. Yeah, it's going to be pretty perfect. Uh, Cardinals v 49ers, 9.30pm kickoff, so just enough time to uh, have some Christmas Day leftovers and get it live on Amazon Prime and Twitch and and Sky and maybe Game Pass as well. I mean, there's no excuse to not watch it, is there, when it's on all these like formats and everything? For sure. I mean, especially as a British fan, this is probably the most the most accessible Cardinals game I've ever seen. Um, coming as somebody who used to uh, find ways of watching Cardinals games regardless of how they were shown legally. I'm sure we've all been there. Some of us are still there. <laughs> no names named, but yeah, indeed. Um, I think it's really, really interesting. And uh, I will say that the games that I have watched on um, Amazon and Twitch and stuff like that have all been really well done. So if you're... Uh, in the market for for a way to watch then i would recommend either of those as long as they're free obviously because you know no one wants to pay for amazon prime i think you can get a one pound i think it's a 99 pence one week amazon prime trial and or get a friend who does have it and you know piggyback off them for a night i say i don't fancy making jeff bezos 99p more rich <laughs> yeah he doesn't need 99p more to be fair but yeah on to that moving on from that the Niners are now officially out of playoff contention, but I'm sure they'll still want to mess with our hopes of making it to the postseason. Oh, absolutely they will, yeah. I mean, um, it, especially uh, given that they're also kind of on home turf as well. I mean, it's technic- it's a Cardinals home game, so, you know, they're really borrowing the field. They don't actually live here. For sure, it's, it's still the home game, but they have also been made at home here for a few weeks, so... I think it's re- be really interesting. Um, I don't think it'll have much effect on the game, but it's just a, you know, it's something that doesn't normally happen outside of like a New York derby or an LA derby. Although I don't think we've had an LA derby yet, have we? Uh, no, not it's not since uh, both teams have gone there. We had the Niners this season are five and nine, and obviously now out of the playoffs mathematically. So really, they've got nothing to play for. However, they did beat the LA Rams but have then lost to Buffalo, Washington, and Dallas. I guess we can't all be 4 and versus the NFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I will say that they have had some really, really poor luck this season, especially when it pertains to injuries. I think we've all had injuries this year, though, so, you know, cramming of a river. 
Yeah, that being said, you know they've they've lost uh, Jimmy G, and they've lost George Kettle, and they lost uh, even like C.J. Bathard for a while and stuff like that. I think there was actually talk of him maybe coming in for this game because Nick Mullins hasn't been playing that well over the last three games that we've lost. I I would genuinely be interested in them in you know them trying that. I guess you know when they've got nothing to lose, they might as well try different situations, right? Yeah, play the backup to the backup. Why not? I mean, it would definitely help us out. I suspect. I mean, we have to go all the way back to week one before to the first time we played in this season, where we triumphed, where we triumphed twenty four twenty, aka the game where DeAndre Hopkins went off for one hundred and fifty one yards on fourteen catches, and Kyler Murray ran for ninety one yards. You know, obviously, we'd take a repeat of both statistics on Saturday, and more obviously. Both of those would be pretty fantastic. I, I strongly suspect we will see less Kyler Murray run yards, um, but I hope that we do we do see um, a fair amount of D Hop. Um, and actually, I mean, uh, of things that could flip, I would love to see uh, a flip of Isaiah Simmons' performance from that game. If you remember his, you know, one of his few plays that game was the uh, the play when he sort of blew coverage and and accidentally let. Uh, quite a big gain go off and I would love to see you know Isaiah Simmons 2.0 now that he's feeling comfortable come in there and really uh, play really well. I think the good thing about that though is the guy who did that Raheem Mostert I think he's on injured reserve so there's no chance of him doing that this week. He is because he would have been on my bird gang ball team so yeah thankfully he's not there but uh, they do still have you know uh, like a fair ability to move the, the, the ball and I do think that this is a team um, and a game that we really don't want to sleep on. No, exactly, because over the past few weeks, Brendan Ayuk, their first-round pick from his past draft, he's actually came on a bit and like started to perform like everyone thought he would in the league. Yeah, he's had a couple of breakout, I guess you would say, quarters in, in the season so far. But um, yeah, in the past few weeks, he really kind of seems to be coming in on his own. Although we didn't this past week, which would have helped my fantasy team, but you know, I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, indeed. Um this is gonna be a tough game to predict actually, because um, you know, one team has a lot to a lot to lose, another team doesn't have anything to lose. And, you know, I think it really depends whether we get the Cardinals of last week or the Cardinals of earlier in the season or the Cardinals of the uh, the kind of dark three week period. I think as well what doesn't help is the fact that they've got injuries. And I did read that they could be in a position to bring back both Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle off of IR for this game. But I don't I mean, think they have just yet or anything like that. Yeah, that being said, I will say, you know, they, because they're playing for nothing, they're not going to rush to bring those guys back. They're only going to bring them back, you know, when they're good and ready for them. And equally, you know, if they did come back, I can't imagine after, you know, what has been a fair stint on injured reserve for both of them, that they would be playing at 100%. Their way of screwing with us, you know, trying to keep us out of the playoffs, and I'm sure they'd do it if they could. <laughs> That's fair. You know, division rivalries are fierce indeed, and yeah, uh, I, I could see it happening, but that being said, you know, I don't know that it would be the best move for them, both long-term and even short-term. It's probably another one of those things as well, where we'll find out after we finished recording that something's actually happened in that Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Announcements like announcements, kind of yeah, Tuesday night or something like that for sure. Well, actually, I'm going to get ahead of them now because there's actually a bit of news at the moment. This came out in the last hour or so. Yes, straight off the wires. Okay. Yeah. So their quarterback position this week, their starting quarterback will be C.J. Befford. Ooh, they're actually making the move. Apparently a source said that quarterback Nick Mullins sustained a right elbow injury that will likely require surgery. Oof. Oh, that can't be pleasant, can it? And also not great for a quarterback. And also it doesn't help as well that CJ Befford is the only quarterback they've got on the roster at the moment because Josh Johnson is on the COVID-19 list. Oh my goodness. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo's not actually 100% yet or not. I would say that I would say thankfully we're not in the um the same situation as Denver found themselves a few weeks ago and like you know we're not <laughs> they're not being made to play with no QB but I think this is about as close as they can get really. And also on George Kittle, apparently Kyle Shanahan says that he's got a chance this week 
they were getting him back into practice this week and seeing how he does. And if he's good, then they plan on playing him this weekend. Okay, okay. I mean, it's a bit late for my bird gang ball team, but, you know, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, there we go. Um, yeah, I think uh, an interesting game coming up. Um, obviously, you know, I think every single game that we've got left in the season is a big one for the for the Cardinals' playoff hopes. And, you know, especially given that we've got the Rams as well, I think this really, really comes down to being a must-win. We do have to take it one game at a time, though. And also, if we do end up winning this game, then we'll be up to my predicted nine wins for the season. So Yeah, that's uh, exciting stuff, actually. But, you know, less of the bragging, more predicting. So where are we going for this one? Honestly... I think that this would be a bit of a shocker of a loss. And I think that the um, the predictions sort of back that up with, uh, I think, 90-odd percent of people predicting a Cardinals win here and as being sort of heavy home field favourites. That being said, I do think that if we play in a similar way to how we played against the Eagles, um, we are going to see them being able to move the ball. We are going to see them getting some scores and even if they aren't full strength, you know, um, we've got to be careful of them. So at the moment, I'm going to put us down for a 24-14 win. I'm going to say I think there'll be a bit more scoring than that in this one. So I'll go with Cardinals scoring 33, 49ers scoring 27. You're, you're thinking they're going to be able to put together enough enough drives to do that? I think so, yeah, especially if our defense continues to struggle like stopping the pass i think it's going to be down to like the cadence of the thing isn't it you know it's like if they can keep getting you know conversions on second and third down then that's going to be you know what's going to keep them going actually i said 33 27 didn't i that's pretty much the same scoreline that we had this week so i'm gonna to have to change that yeah i don't know i'm gonna rearrange that and go 30 24 okay okay so we're both we're both calling it as being sort of within a one score game, which I think is you know quite telling. I mean, it's Cardinals football. What do you expect? Yeah, exactly. In over till the final whistle, right? Exactly. Or even before then, if we have to make another fourth down stop. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But yes, that will do it for this week's episode of the British Bird Gang breakdown. So as always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Beard Gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Beard Gang. Buy British Beard Gang t-shirts at britishbeardgang.tml.com and of course if you like what you're listening to on the podcast then leave us a review and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get a podcast from. And of course this is our last episode before it's Christmas so I suppose we'll have to say Merry Christmas to everyone from the British Beard Gang breakdown. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone, and uh, thanks for listening with us for another year. And we'll be back uh, next week to break down the uh, the game against the 49ers. And hopefully you'll have Kyler Murray jerseys by then. Except you, Tom. You're not allowed to have a Kyler Murray jersey. I'm not, no. And of course, if I did, it'd be stuck in Royal Mail Post at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Cheerio, everyone. <laughs>